When I started this business, I would have never had any idea it would have grown into what it has grown into. When I first started, and I would tell people I had a closet company, they were, you do what? Closets? What is that? And obviously that has changed today. There's such a huge emphasis put on it. You're listening to Going Deep with Aaron Watson. You're going, going deep. Thank you so much for doing this. Thank you. I'm, I'm really, excited. I'm really excited to be speaking with you. And I want to start off. If you could take us back to 1993, starting the company, just paint a little bit of a picture for us where you were in life, what you were doing, and what was kind of the impetus for you to go out and start something on your own. Well, I was in college, and not particularly loving what I was studying in college, and wondering, yeah, what do I want to do with the rest of my life? What were you studying? So I was. A court reporter studying to be a court stenographer. Okay. Yes. Yeah, so, and I also was a young mother too. I had both of my children. They were babies. And while I was still in, in college and really thinking about that in my career and wanting something that I could do around my children, I wanted to work, but I also wanted to be a mother and to be able to be home with my kids. So I started this business. The opportunity was presented to me that. There was nothing like this in the area. So my husband, being a cabinet maker and a contractor, it was a good fit for us. We were given the opportunity to start working with one contractor, supplying their closet systems for them. And I took the opportunity and just grew with it. So I started with one contractor and just grew from there. As I was working on one house, I would go knock on the door of another one who's doing your closets for you. And that's literally how it grew and by word of mouth. So from me being a one-woman show to now having 23 employees and, and growing into in a new four space states. Yeah. and ex- exciting growth happening. <laughs> yes. Talk a little bit about the kind of complementary skill sets. You talked about your husband having the background in cabinet making. Like where did your skill sets fit in? Where did his skill sets fit in? Like what was the kind of partnership there? Well, I think for me, it was really finding my niche. I loved the organizational aspect of it and being found that I had that capacity to be very spatially aware of areas and how things should be organized and put together. So it it was just meant to be. And are they usually custom closets? So when you say like a closet system, how much of it is a kind of cookie cutter framework, lug and chug game versus kind of problem solving on the fly and every situation, every space may be a little different, whether it's because of the client specifications or the limitations in terms of actual space that you can work in? Sure. Well, there's, you're exactly right. I mean, I can have three, three closets that are exactly the same space-wise, measurement-wise, but each client has a different set of needs for those spaces. So it's based on their needs and the organization they require, their budget. There's a lot of different things. So I can take three spaces that are exactly the same size-wise, but they'll be completely different when we're done with them based on the client's needs. There are a lot of components that certain things work well being a certain size. But we custom manufacture everything here. So there's really no cookie cutter. Drawers work well being 30 inches wide and 16 inches deep. But we can make them any size that they need to be. So it's not that there's any one specific fit. It really is just based on on the individual's needs. And if it is being custom built here, that does speak to the fact that there's a degree to which cookie cutter just doesn't even remotely apply. Yeah, everything's different. And if you are trying to put a cookie cutter unit into a predetermined space, it just doesn't work. So yeah. Makes sense. 
So talk to me a little bit about the process of getting the custom closet made. You talked about these contractors, and even as I was mm-hmm. reading up a little bit on the website, you have these relationships with these other contractors who may bring you in, and they may be part of a larger like residential job or commercial job, and then they know I can't possibly make closets as well as Liberty Closets Clan. I'm going to bring them in, and they're going to have this area of expertise. Can you just explain a little bit more sure. of how that works? Well, we besides working for contractors, we work a lot for individual homeowners, too, as well. So anybody that needs any organizational need. With the contractors, it's nice. It's a service. For years, closets have been a very important area of the home that went overlooked. So that's not the case anymore. New homes specifically are really being built around having more storage needs, space in them. So it's great to have that offer that service that you have someone that can come in and meet with your clients and help solve all their storage needs. So yeah. yeah. This is definitely one of the interviews that when I get home and talk to my girlfriend about who I interviewed today, like she's already brought up walk-in closets and custom closets. She's her eye eyeballs are gonna get wide with yeah. excitement. It is. It's exciting. And people we start our day usually in our closet. So you want it to really be well organized and be able to find everything. It just creates more calm and but you're a crazy, busy, hectic day. So so talk to me a little bit about the process of, okay, we have like the one initial contractor, the one initial like we're up off the ground, but there's a next stage where you're on your feet mm-hmm. and you're starting to make moves. Like there's, you were at, I believe you said 23 people now moving into mm-hmm. a new space. Talk to a little bit more though about those kind of initial stages of proving that, you know, you were someone that these other contractors want to do business with, that you were a brand, that you were an entity in the marketplace that people could come to for the specific sure. solution. Well, when I started, being a woman in a construction field was a challenge. It's a male-dominated field. So I really had to prove myself that I knew what I was talking about and what I was doing. So again, as we would, as we just grew and I would just, it was all by word of mouth, really, is how it all happened. So you'd just do the absolute very best that I could possibly do and prove that I could do the job. And the feedback from the homeowners. Typically, when you're building a new house, the woman is making the majority of the decisions in a home. So it was great. It was usually the first time they get to meet with another woman during the whole construction process Mm. and someone that they can relate to and like, yes, she gets that I need room for 100 pairs of shoes. (laughs) And so it's an opportunity for them to really see that someone is thinking about them and their needs and what their plans are for the space. What are some of the standard questions that you ask when you're kind of scoping out what the closet will be as you're kind of uncovering those needs of the client? We ask a lot of questions. I mean, a lot. And what your needs are for the space, hanging space, folding space, shoes. We really bond a lot with our clients. We're in a very private, intimate part of the home when we're working with them. So we ask a lot of questions to so that we are able to design the space specifically for their needs. And it's not just closets. We do all areas of the home as well. So it's the pantries and the mudrooms and how do the kids do their homework and store their book bags. And there's just, it's how do you live your life and how do you want to organize it? So when did that, I'd imagine to some degree is a little bit of like just responding to what people are asking for, but you maybe started narrowly defined as, this closet company, but there's all these different spaces of storage Mm -hmm. that you guys work on. And once again, it was on the website. So was it to some degree like, hey, people keep asking for help with their mudroom or help with their study or help with their whatever other area? And you're like, yeah, we can do that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And it's like as soon as you you get in there and do one project, they're, okay, well, how about this area? What can we do here? I need help in this area. So 
it really does evolve into a whole house project oftentimes. It's to some degree the difference between, hey, we maybe had this like narrowly defined service or productized service that we're bringing when in reality the customer is just looking for someone that does the good job, does it on time, does it within a reasonable budget. And as long as you're kind of checking those boxes, they're ready to work with you in a more expansive capacity. Sure. Yeah. Well, and it's bonding with them too. I mean, they need to, I think they really want to feel that you understand their needs, which is important to get where they're coming from and what they want. Yeah. It seems like it's also, you kind of talked about word of mouth or referrals for more of your business. It also seems very similar to the trope of like the car salesman who the best car salesman or saleswoman is thinking about like the third car that they'll sell the person. And if they provide that good service and they do the good job, that person's going to come back for Absolutely. car two and car three. Yes. Very similar in the way people yes. live with their houses. Is that, would that oh, be Absolutely. Every client we meet has the opportunity to do several projects with us. So you absolutely want to provide the best quality and service always that you can. But there's the potential for, for more work in, in the home than just one area. Certainly. So one of the things as I was doing the research was, I saw in January of 2013, you joined the Closet Franchise Factory, or I'm sorry, the Closet Factory franchise group after 20 years as an independent Correct. brand. Can you talk a little bit through, t- talk us through that decision and what was kind of informing that choice that you made? In- sure. Well, I had started Liberty Closets in 1993, um, a WBE, a woman-owned business enterprise. And as I'd said, I worked primarily for contractors. So unless you were building a new home or working with a contractor, a lot of people didn't know of us, didn't know we existed. I had never done one day of advertising. All of my work was by word of mouth, and we had grown to working in southwestern Pennsylvania, West Virginia, Maryland, so I'd really developed a large base with my contractors. The opportunity arose. I was actually contacted by Closet Factory. They were looking for a location, a Pittsburgh location, and while Closet Factory, it's a national franchise, we are all independently owned, so it's a good network to be in. What I found really interesting and appealing there was all the business acumen and the help that they they were willing to give that I had never had before into the thought of hiring all the people that I would need to hire and where I would find those at to bring them into my independent company. That expertise that they were offering through the franchise group, I felt was just very valuable. All the knowledge that they were able to lend and to give in the support of growing the business. What were some of the areas where that expertise was? Marketing was a big one. As I said, I had never done any sort of marketing before, and it terrified me, (laughs) thought of of doing that. And Was it terrifying because of, like, I might spend money on this and it'll just be a complete waste? Correct. Yeah. Where where do you start? What's the smart thing to spend money on for advertising? Interesting. Yeah. So that was a lot of it. And just everything with how to scale and grow the business. I felt like I had built Liberty Closets to a certain level and I had hit a plateau and really couldn't rise above that. So something that was going to give me what I needed to take it to the next level and grow the company, which it has really, we've done. So Yeah. One of the things that's super interesting to me about that is it is a common refrain of different sorts where wherever you stand as an entrepreneur, whatever phase or industry or as we get more and more specific with the business, the loneliness that comes with, okay, there's only so many entrepreneurs, period, in my area. And then we subdivide it into businesses of a certain size. And then we subdivide it into specific industries or verticals that we may be operating in. And it's very quickly, 
a kind of lonely experience, not just in the sense of it's all on my shoulders or me and my, my husband's shoulders, but it is there just aren't that many people to go to for perspective. So even being able to speak to the franchisee in wherever else in the United States and just get their perspective on things like, yeah, I remember when we were at X amount of revenue and we had to deal with hiring this or doing that. And that's exactly with the rest of the other closet factory owners in the other states. I can pick up the phone at any time and call any of them. And they're all so willing to lend help and experience in their past experience from from how they grew or overcame a certain issue, or even with our equipment and our tooling or machinery. Yeah. We all share information and manufacturing techniques with that. So we do manufacture everything here in, in our facility. Is that what all the franchises do? Correct. Or some of them yes. different? Yeah. No, we, in order, one of the requirements for a closet factory is that you have to manufacture. Gotcha. So you were telling us before we started that you guys are moving into a new, much larger space. You're busting at the seams here at this current location. What advice or what have they said about moving into the new space? What kind of perspective have they given? Well, it's really, yeah, very quickly after joining Closet Factory, we outgrew this current location. So I searched for several years for a facility that would suit our needs. And we did. We found one. We're very excited to move into it. It's significantly larger. We're going to be going from about a 3,000 square foot shop to a 14,000 square foot shop. So it'll be great with a showroom and just easier access for folks to find us too. But yeah, just we're, we're really limited in the equipment and the tooling that we have here and just the ability to store materials and jobs. So we really are, have hit our capacity with with what they can produce here in our shop. So in order for us to grow, we need to move to the new location. So that was actually one of the questions I was going to, I was like thinking about asking as Dan and I were driving over here was when you think about retail and like a shop, they'll evaluate a shop on the sales that are happening per square foot. And above a certain threshold, they know the business is doing well. Below a certain threshold, things are in trouble. What I'm hearing, and you can correct me if I'm wrong here, is a way that you would evaluate the amount of space that you have in terms of the success or the viability or the health of your business is really through output. So how Correct. how much yes. can you get made? How much can mm-hmm. you get built in a, a regular work day? And how that is on a square foot basis, is that accurate? It's somewhat. I mean, as far as if, yeah, you need to be able to have the equipment in place and then you need to be able to store your materials. And once you manufacture the product, you need to be able to put out then in a, in a timely fashion. So when you're saying storing is a part of that also, if I maybe buy materials in bulk, I'm yes. getting a better rate, but because I can now store that on location, it can be here for like a longer period of time. And well, it even means it? in how quickly we can, we can manufacture our jobs. Right now we're very limited in space. So we buy all of our material locally. So we buy big lifts of material, four by eight sheets of board. And right now we can only buy the board a week before we're ready to cut it because we just have nowhere to store it. So it does limit us in in how quickly then we're able to go through that material and get it to the saw and have it be cut into the edge bander and the CNC. So if we had more space to store more material, we could be working further ahead too to have our jobs done with more of a lead time or a shorter lead time in, in producing them. Also with the equipment, the size of the shop, we 
there are larger saws that we need that can cut faster, we can cut more sheets a day. Yeah. Where we're limited, we can't have that here. So moving into the new facility will allow us to have more efficient machinery. Fascinating. Yeah. So another thing that I wanted to ask about was just in terms of who you do business with. So growth is good and it's a family business and there's all sorts of positive elements to that. But there's something I've, my business is just under two years old and we're just starting to get out of that. Like, okay, we're above water, we're breathing a little bit, but you start to recognize that yes, contract values matter and you know the, what type of work you want to be doing matters, but it's also who you want to do business with and how you just, you make a priority for the certain clients and customers that are easy to work with, similar values, similar alignment in that way, shape or form. Can you talk a little bit about how that's played into how you've gone about building your business? Maybe there's contractors that you just love to work with and they're straightforward. And then there's other ones that maybe if we're really in a pinch or we have capacity, we'll, we'll go to them, but they're not the people that we're leaning into in a similar way. Maybe that's not how you think about it. Well, it's tough to say no to anyone. Right. right. But we're very fortunate that the people come to us. So everyone, we don't do any sort of cold calling ever. Anyone that calls us has a need. So the builders that we work with, we've I've developed a long relationship with. I've worked for many of them for my entire career. So that works well. So I think any builder that sees his business as wanting, trying to think of how to word this. It's all good. Wanting to provide the best possible service he can for his clients and his homeowners. Is it, it's going to usually end up here. Correct. Yeah. So. Right on. So in that vein of the family business, talk, talk a little bit about what it's like to met your daughter, bring the family in. How do you think about that in the context of these long-term decisions that you're making for the business, knowing that it is part of the Walters family, it's yeah. part of what you're doing for a, a long period of time? It, it's, Again, when I started this business, I would have never had any idea it would have grown into what it has grown into. When I first started, and I would tell people I had a closet company, they were, you do what? Closets? What is that? And obviously that has changed today. There's such a huge emphasis put on it. And I might, when Lacey graduated from college, she came on board with me and uh, as a designer and our sales manager. And just seeing the the great satisfaction with that she gets from being part of the family business and how important our clients are to us and to doing a good job and just how we connect with everybody and really do become part of our clients' lives. So she has really, I think, enjoyed that and growing with the business and that seeing the potential that we have just to really make a difference in Pittsburgh and in the area with what the product that we offer. My son also works for us. He is in the shop and runs our CNC and also does operations. So they both have the ability to be part of moving this company into the future. And they've probably been around it for their entire yes. lives. So there's so many things about it that are second nature that they've heard it yeah. discussed over the dinner table or wherever. And I don't think I, either one of them would have ever thought of themselves as entrepreneurs, but they are seeing themselves more and more so. That, yeah. yeah. I mean, I think it's really interesting the degree to which some of those things just transfer by osmosis from just even hearing those conversations and kind of being around like, Whatever instance, I'm sure there's been countless of them over the last 20 years of we got to go in on the Saturday or the mm -hmm. Sunday yes. or late night or whatever, because this thing has to get done and the buck yes. stops with us. So we got to go in because yeah. that's just the nature of being the business owner. Oh, absolutely. I mean, they've grown up with my husband and I working seven days a week as all entrepreneurs do. There's, we, it's not the nine to five job. So we are 
meeting with clients in the evenings and the weekends. And so they have grown up with that. So I think that's part of their work ethic and the expectation it, that they see in being successful. Absolutely. So some of the last questions I want to ask about before we aim towards wrapping up and asking the standard last questions was just my utter unfamiliarity with closets in general. So when you think about whether it's the Chevy versus like the Maserati of closets at the high end of the spectrum for people that maybe they've never had a walk-in closet, they just don't even know like what the nuances of that might be. When you think about the highest end clientele when you're designing those closets, what actually goes into that outside of space? What elements are going into the highest end closets that you're designing? Well, anything goes. So we do a lot of really high end closets and all closets need organization and attention. So from the smallest to the largest. Mine definitely does. Yeah. So there aren't any that are too small to be organized. But some of the the high end ones that, that we're seeing, really anything that would go into a kitchen now is going into a custom closet from lighting, lighted hang rods and islands, any sort of organizational features, drawer organizers and jewelry inserts. So there's just a lot of really, really cool things that, that we can, that we're doing in the walk-in closets. I'd imagine like safes, oh, like yeah. TVs Absolutely. and things like that. Yeah. Mirrors, all sorts you name of it. accoutrements. <laughs> so. Very cool. Let me check my questions here because I know I had one other one that I want to forget about. So talk about some of the other elements outside of closets. So one of the interesting ones was wine cellars. Talk a little bit about like building the wine cellars, like what people are looking for there and kind of that's people at least can frame into their minds like, okay, someone's walking out of their bedroom into their closet or where those usually go. But can you talk a little bit about the wine cellars that you guys do? Yeah. So there's, again, it depends on the space that you have and maybe your collection, how many bottles you want to store. You know, we can turn a small coat closet into a wine storage unit or a section of your basement or any area of the home really. So it just depends on your needs and what, how many bottles you'd like to store and the requirements that you have for it. And those usually have like a specific kind of climate control system or something like that? It, it depends. So they can and they should. Like a, a large collection should be in a climate controlled room. Yeah, absolutely. And so there's a lot that goes into that in, in, in building, constructing that area of the home too. Not everyone is has that ability to have that space or maybe the budget to do that. So you can turn a smaller area into wine storage as well, whether it's a section in your dining room or, like I said, a, a nook area or a small closet you can turn into a wine storage area. Right on. You guys are into four states now. The, the team is growing. It's going to grow even more as you move into the new location. What constraints are imposed on you as you kind of look at that kind of geographic reach? Like, is there something where just like beyond a certain thing, it doesn't make sense from like a travel standpoint or... We have a partner that we refer business to if it's out there. Like, how do you think about that? Yeah, well, we try not to. An hour and a half or so is about our max driving, which really from Pittsburgh can get us into northern Maryland, West Virginia, and eastern Ohio. So we have that area. Our biggest constraint would be employees, be just the skilled labor to, to handle the increased business. Is again, all I think all other business owners are also facing the same dilemmas with that. How have you been attacking that? How have you been thinking about finding the skilled labor? Well, we're always constantly looking and recruiting, looking for help. So it's a challenge. And fortunately, we're lucky that the economy is good and the unemployment is low. So it's the, it is really an employee's market right now. So it's tough to find good employees. Yeah, it kind yeah. of flips, right? Like yeah. when the economy is like this, there's a lot of business coming in, Correct. hard yeah. to find the workers, and then can flip the other way when the economy turns. So that's always a challenge. We, there's a lot of training into what we do. Our industry is really unique, unlike 
a lot of the other custom cabinetry industries and our turnover is very fast and we'll install an entire house in just a day or two so it versus other where it may take weeks to have a, a kitchen installed so we in manufacturing everything too so it's just having the finding the skilled employees from start to finish from the designers to the manufacturers to the installers so it's really it's a big bucket to fill yeah. Do you usually have like apprentices or how do they kind of come in generally? We, again, it's what we do is unique. So we have a lot of training that goes into whenever we hire new employees. We really try to also promote from within. So as, as far as from maybe having someone from the shop trained to be an installer so that they can grow into other positions. Everyone, we really focus a lot on cross training everyone too, so that everyone's kind of able to help out and jump in wherever need be. Yeah, it's important when it's a small business, it's still got to be wearing a lot of hats. Michelle, this has been great. Thank you for being on the podcast. I want to make sure that people can learn more about Liberty Closets and you. What digital coordinates can we provide people so they can learn more? We have our website, closetfactory.com. We also have our Instagram page, our Pittsburgh Closet Factory Instagram page, as well as our Facebook page. Like us, check us out on. Beautiful. We're going to link that in the show notes. Goingdeepwithaaron.com slash podcast is a place to find it for this and every episode of the show. It's also in the podcast app where you're probably listening to it right now. But before we let you go, I want to give you the mic one final time to issue an actionable personal challenge for the audience. I would say just to be kind to everyone. And I love what Ellen DeGeneres just recently said, which is be kind to everyone and not just people that agree with you, but you know, try to look beyond that. And if someone doesn't agree with you, that doesn't make them a bad person. And you should be, yeah, be kind to everyone. I love it. It is, once again, an, a great long-term strategy. I'm sure that's why the business continued to grow as well. Great. Thanks um, so much. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you. I enjoyed it. It was great. We just went deep with Michelle Walters. Hope everyone out there has a fantastic day. 